Hey, welcome to High Resolution. My name is Bobby Goshal. And I'm Jared Arandu. Every single week, we sit down with a master of design. Every week. Is today any different? Nope. We looked at our phones and we're like, what's the number one app we use every day? Instagram. Duh. And so, we're at Instagram. Yep. Who are we speaking to? We're speaking with Ian Spalter. He's the head of design here at Instagram. He's going to tell us about his experiences working in agency and then coming over to Startup Land. He's going to tell us how to build design team maturity. And he's going to tell us how an app the size of Instagram innovates so quickly. And before we cut to break, we just have to ask you guys for one favor. Two favors. Follow us on Instagram yep. at High Res Podcast. And if you like this podcast, if you're getting any value out of this podcast, the number one way you can show us that you're getting value if you're listening to this on a podcast app is to review it and rate it, okay? We'll ask for an objective review and rating. Yep. That's it. We're gonna go to break. We're gonna come right back. Thanks to Squarespace for their support. Whether you need a domain, a website, or an online store, make your next move with Squarespace. Visit squarespace.com and enter the code HIGHRESOLUTION, one word, for 10% off your first purchase. Ian, thanks for joining us. Sure, thanks for having me. So first question, what's one thing about design that's clear to you that you don't think is as clear to other people? I think what's becoming clear to me about design um, is that uh, the way you structure your company is equal to or more important than any sort of like process or talent uh, when it comes to the quality of output, right? So um, you know, where does design sit within your organization? Um, you know, is it something that's equal to uh, technology, engineering, and product, or is it something that sits under those those functions? Um, you know, how do you incentivize and reward people? You know, do you reward based off of the um, the amount of work or how quickly it's done, or, or do you uh, actually reward people based off of some sort of way of measuring the quality of what gets out there? Right. So, the, all these other things that aren't usually considered designy things that you don't like learn in design school, I think have a tremendous impact on the, on the quality of work that comes out. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that's become more clear to me. So designing your design team. Designing your company. Designing your company. Right, you know, and designing your organization and like what, what, what are the principles that your organization works with and around, how do you allocate resources, how do you plan, et cetera. A lot of that stuff that happens before what we would consider to be a part of the normal design process has a tremendous impact on um, the quality of work that gets done. So something that's interesting about you is you're maybe the only guest of our 25 guests that spent as much time on the agency side as the client side. Right? You were at RGA for uh, six to eight years, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if if uh, the agency world informs your process mm -hmm. in different ways. And actually thinking about it, um, how... How do you think the teams are designed in the, in the agency world different to what you're experiencing now at Instagram? Sure. So yeah, I think uh, one of the best parts about being a designer as an agency is like the, uh, the variety of work uh, sure. that you get to work on. You get to tackle lots of different design problems and business problems like in a very short period of time. Um, you're working around lots of creative people uh, where the kind of uh, the capital is ideas. Yeah. Right? It's not necessarily like what the impact of those ideas are necessarily. It's just being generative, mm. right? So you, you, you learn a lot there. Um, you learn about the connection between brand and product and, and just the concept of brand and, that, like the, and, and what that means. Um, so there's a tremendous amount that I think I've, I've benefited from by uh, going deep with, with various companies um, like a Nike, et cetera, uh, and that I've tried to bring some of the good parts of what I've learned from working with those companies or working in a very design-centered organization and then try to graph that on to uh, working in like uh, in-house, as you say, but you know, but like a more technical organizations or software organizations. What are some of the opportunity costs to starting out your career in an agency versus client side or startups? Yeah, I think you have to take into account the context of time. When I started, um, you know, there wasn't a tremendous amount of, of design opportunities within software. Mm -hmm. Particularly, I was came up on the East Coast too, so that there was a little bit of difference there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, the because design practice within software organizations uh, is a bit more mature now, you can actually have like a, a full career, you know, working within um, whether it's in the startup world or, or in larger yeah. technical companies. Um, whereas like that was a lot more established within the agency world, like you kind of understand like oh I could start here and then eventually maybe I'll be, be to a creative director. Yeah. Now it's kind of kind of equal. I think um, opportunity cost starting on the agency side is that there's definitely a leap. 
between, um, again, being in this environment where the ideas matter mm -hmm. versus actually like execution and delivery mattering and the impact mm -hmm. of, of high quality execution mattering more. Uh, the types of people that you collaborate with are different. There's not like usually a product management role, for instance, in the agency world as in um, in, in kind of the the software world. So um, there there are definitely some leaps that you have to make to be able to make that transition, and how you kind of measure uh, whether this is a good piece of work um, is very different between the worlds, right? Like yeah. a good piece of work in, in an agency world might be well, the client really liked it or mm -hmm. it sold through work and we got business because of it. Whereas a good piece of work here might be something that that's that's sort of uh, may be smaller but might have tremendous yeah. material impact on the business so you have to like retool that um, that said we do have people that we do hire you know that's becoming more common to mm. you know, bring people from the agency world over but everyone doesn't kind of make it over mm. they, everyone isn't as compatible with working this way yeah I do agree by the way that for a long time um, it the, the the design work on the client side or in the software world wasn't sexy enough, and so the the agency world really did turn out to be the the, the springing ground for some of the best designers in the world today. Yeah, um, how does an agency think about brand differently to how you're thinking about brand now at Instagram? Well, I think uh, it's pretty compatible to how I think about it at Instagram, but like in a lot of other uh, companies, yeah, it, sure. it took a while for me to even think about the concept of brand. Like, what does that matter? Yeah. You know, like what, you know, and I think that. Um, the way uh, agencies uh, thrive off of brand because um, they're they're often in a position where they're trying to help a company you know express ideas to say or communicate something and that means that they have to figure out ways of connecting to culture yeah right you know and 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 not just getting a message across or being useful but also being interesting yeah. right so there's there's all these other kind of pieces there um, and then I think that uh, also the what is brand kind of uh, you know has evolved over time? A friend of mine, Mark Schillam, likes to talk about brand as patterns and kind of more thinking about it more in a behavioral uh, uh, standpoint of thinking about how a, a, a business behaves in terms sure. of what they release, what they say, et cetera, over time, being what brand is about. And so, at Instagram, I think that what I've tried to take is thinking about both brand and what we consider to be product kind of at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so even from a team structure standpoint, having people who are thinking about brand and brand identity sit with the people that, or even sometimes be the same person as thinking about how the UI should look or mm -hmm. how it should feel, right? So mashing those things together and constantly having them influence each other I think is healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and also just creates um, interesting work and, and, and I think unifies um, no matter where whatever kind of uh, way you're interacting with Instagram, the, the dream, I don't think we're there yet, sure. um, all kind of feels the same. It all comes, it kind of feels like it's coming from the same um, small group or the same hand, ideally. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, that's what we're shooting for. So before Instagram, you worked at Foursquare and YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and you joined these companies when they were less design mature, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious what kinds of conversations you had with stakeholders there and how you went about actually bringing design to the conversation? Sure. I mean, um, both distinct environments, both um, really special companies, you know, like with great engineering, you know, cultures, et cetera, and, and also, you know, seen a lot of success. I think to break them apart a little bit, I think at Foursquare, um, one of the main kind of contributions there was thinking about um, bringing in um, empathy uh, mm -hmm. for for uh, the customer, you know, it's a very kind of visionary sort of company, um, but bringing in that uh, the voice of people actually using uh, Foursquare every day was was a was an opportunity that I saw. So, thing, doing things like commissioning some of our first research studies, like uh, particularly like a more ethnographic style mm -hmm. research studies, um, which actually was influenced by some of the work that um, that Nike had done internally, where they kind of just you know get inspired by you know uh, the people that use their products, right? And then making the first research hire full time, and then allowing that person to, to be successful. So I think that was one way of changing what design means mm -hmm. within the organization. And then the other pieces, which are less about conversations with stakeholders, but more about evolving how we did what we did. Uh, you know, running workshops with the CEO in the room, working with the team, uh, doing a lot of co-sketching. You know, and, and trying to make that uh, um, a part of the process uh, in order to not just not. Um, take the work away from designers so much as helping people express their ideas visually and use that as an input to the design process. Um, you know, I think 
you know, people get intimidated when you put a Sharpie in their hand and ask them to draw mm -hmm. something sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think it also helps get the team on the same page. Yeah. And then, uh, then the designer's process after that is a little bit more straightforward because they know what's in everyone's heads, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like um, some of those experiments were helpful in carving out uh, space for the design team to, to do better work. Mm. Um, at least that's what I'd like to tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> you had a chance at RGA to work on, I would say, maybe the first truly consumerized, commercialized wearable, yeah. right? The Nike Fuel Band. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you, did you, I mean, did you have any experience to bring to bear on that project? Like, how, how did you know what to design and how did you know? Because I remember, I remember using it for the first time. I was blown away, yeah, yeah. right? Top down, the way it looked, the way it felt, the way it worked, all of it was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, but what were, while you were working on that project, yeah. what were some principles that you had to bring to bear to the to Sure, the so before we had done Fuel Band, right, there was um, Nike Plus was yeah. had already been there. Um, when I came in, uh, we had done a redesign of like the web property, and then uh, we actually took Nike Plus running mm -hmm. and, and uh, made it a, a complete experience using a GPS chip and, and phones, right? And so that whole Nike running experience was a good precursor because you learned about what does it mean, uh, you know, when you track your data and mm -hmm. have like social experiences with that. Um, how does it how does it change your behavior, mm -hmm. right? What's important about that? So it's kind of a good kind of learning ground. Now taking to the field band wor world, which is a lot more about what we called like the everyday athlete. Um, there was a lot of learnings there thinking about how, um, how this product fits into someone's day and what does it take to motivate people, right? You know, like the, having a goal, sounds obvious now, but having a goal that you're looking at every day matters a lot and yeah. making that really visible. Um, having like these behavioral triggers throughout the experience. So a lot of RGA's contributions were in the UI of, of the mobile app, but also thinking about that, that longitudinal experience. And like one of the principles that we had um, in mind and sort of a mantra was um, uh, uh, phone, keys, wallet, fuel band. Sure. Right? You know, it's like, we, how do you make something? It's like, this is another thing you have yeah. to like, take with you, but how do you make sure that you want to, right? So there's yeah. a level of making it fun and interesting. Yeah. And then uh, you know, companies like Astro was uh, the company that did all the industrial yeah. design, did an awesome job there. And then when there was lots of opportunities around uh, thinking about how do you make it kind of part of your daily, um, the rhythm of your daily life, right? You know, so thinking about, well, if you could sync via Bluetooth, yeah. what sort of things could that unlock, right? So really there's this whole behavioral change concept that started with some of the earlier Nike Plus work mm -hmm. that we were able to broaden you know, with Fuel Band and kind of owning almost the, the whole kind of full stack there yeah. uh, and really thinking about what does it take to, to want to, you know, for this to be a desirable thing. Because yeah. at that point, before that, it was kind of a scarlet letter to wear a pedometer. It's like sure. something my doctors make me wear or something that says yeah. a reminder that I'm overweight as opposed to... Uh, something that you actually want to wear that becomes a conversational piece, right? Yeah. You know, um, and that is rewarding. Yeah. How did you approach that behavioral change? Because, I mean, it's fascinating, like, the, the concept of yet another thing that I have to take with me in the morning yeah. and something that is synonymous with something that doctors give me that I don't want, right? right? So you had two challenges. It's like <sighs> making the thing that I already don't like mm -hmm. likable mm -hmm. and then reminding me to take it every morning, right? Yeah. Um, so what was that? Was this user research? Was this bringing people in? Like, how did you guys figure that out? Yeah, so there's definitely research done around um, uh, different ways of looking at uh, what it means to be an athlete yeah. and how people incorporate uh, kind of... Uh, exercise or, or you know how do, how do they make that fun as a part of their their lifestyle mm -hmm. so there's certainly work to be done there but it was a lot more kind of inspirational into the process I think a lot of the credit goes to uh, our partners at Nike and, and they're very good at thinking about um, what makes an experience desirable mm. right you know like and they're very tuned to making something um, connect with culture and you know create things that are kind of cool and interesting so they pushed us to kind of invent those things. So be it like the reward systems being something that you just looked at and you just felt it in your gut like, oh, this is fun. This is great, right? Mm -hmm. um, and multiple points during the process, they pushed us more to kind of think about how could you make something feel more rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, and then so it was our job to kind of execute and figure that out. Yeah, so if you were speaking to thousands of young designers, which you are right now, mm -hmm. by the way, yeah. um, how would you... How would you tell them to think about whether starting their career in the agency world mm -hmm. uh, is more appropriate for them mm -hmm. versus, say, in a software company or a client-side company? Sure. I think um, one 
maybe useful bit there is that I think agencies often understand uh, storytelling sure. really well yeah. right, and communication. So if that's more of what you're interested in as opposed to kind of interaction and building product, that's one way to kind of break it down. And then I think also figuring out, well, maybe you don't know what you're most passionate about when it comes to design and maybe you need much more of a variety of experiences and of design challenges, mm-hmm. which agencies should be able to provide more of, right, in, in a very short amount of time, really. Whereas making a commitment to um, either a startup or, or you know, a larger software company like this, um, you're going to go deeper, right? Yeah. You're going to get some really great technical skills as yeah. well, and you're going to have some, some impact on hundreds of millions of people, right, you yeah. know, which is awesome, but you got to have a taste for that, you know, uh, and so you... Depending on what phase you think you're at in your kind of design journey, yeah. uh, I think that's a good way to kind of break it down. And as the landscape and responsibilities of design continues to evolve, uh, what are some changes that you think will need to happen in the agency world? Yeah, I think agencies, and they're already starting to do this, I think they're getting smaller, more nimble. Um, they're obviously uh, having a real uh, technical prowess is like kind of a baseline for all agencies at this at this at this time I think one good thing is that um, you know the importance of being able to tell great stories yeah. uh, no pun intended um, is, uh, is 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 becoming more important it's just a different format right you know it's it's, it's not um, something that you guaranteed attention from someone for like a 30 second spot necessarily but maybe it's an ongoing you know creation of stuff so becoming um, more agile, having you know less overhead, etc. Yeah. Um, but you're also seeing some interesting things where every agency, if they have a small specialty, is trying to branch into something else. Sure. Everyone's kind of do something else. So it's definitely a uh, um, a world in transition. Yeah. Um, but I, but there's always going to be a role for uh, people who are great storytellers mm-hmm. and great communicators. Um, people who are like specialists in certain domains of you know. Um, Graphic art communications, et cetera, that mm. that in house may not to be able to support completely, mm. uh, and there'll be room for I think smaller boutique shops that are just like, you know, killers at a certain area. Yep. Um, but I think larger agencies will will struggle. But yeah, do you? I'm I'm a little conflicted on this personally, but do you think that? So I get that on the communication and brand side, mm. uh, the graphic design side, agencies tend to be stronger. Right. Uh, but given the fact that now software companies are in this rapid prototyping mm-hmm. uh, mindset universe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially you guys at Instagram and Facebook, right? Yeah. Um, I wonder if agencies are actually equipped to be able to bring value to a software team, like a product team, not a not a comms team. You You're seeing pockets of that, right? You yeah. know, there's a uh, shout out to Working Co. and those guys. You know, they're they're doing some good work, and there's, there's a few different yeah. smaller shops that are trying to focus on this, sure. uh, and they're you know incorporating some of the same kind of skill sets and and ways of working, mm-hmm. um, but it's still. Uh, they're pulled in for pieces of it, right? And, and, and it's, it's rare that in an agency world that you get to own the whole thing because sure, it's, sure, yeah. it's expensive for someone to do that and there's lots of reasons why you'd want, if it's that important to you as yeah. a company that you need to have that in-house. Um, but I think that you know, those sorts of shops can be used uh, as kind of either overflow or, or they need fresh ideas. So there, there, there are ways that, that companies like that can get pulled in for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they, even those guys are, the, you know, the different boutiques that are doing this well are um, evolving how they, how they work, right, and how they position themselves is very different. Um, when you went into Foursquare and YouTube, let's focus on maybe Foursquare. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were sitting down uh, with the founders, and talking about the potential of design, uh, what were you telling them? What were those conversations? I don't know if I ex- explicitly like sat down and say like, "Let's talk design." <laughs> was right? There, there was definitely a, a you know in the process of looking, for, they knew that they wanted um, uh, someone to come in and, and help the design practice, and you know, yeah. so th- that door was already open. Uh, and so for me, it was much more about figuring out how to get in there and how to make that valuable um, than actually kind of like you know. Come into my design world and convince you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. What was the state of the design team when you joined? Um, uh, sorry, Foursquare. At Foursquare, yeah. uh, small uh, group of, of folks um, that had been there for a while. I'd say it's about you know it was I don't actually remember the numbers like probably six seven people, uh, and uh, pretty pretty mobile oriented. You know, it very it's a very mobile first company. It always was. It's almost nearly mobile only. It was a couple of web guys. Um, and I think that uh, they were pretty uh, siloed, uh, and, and so there, there hadn't yet been like 
a real formulation of a design team. You know, there were designers, and of course, they you know worked with each other and collaborated well, et cetera. But actually, feeling like you know a team, uh, and uh, in, in I think the level of collaboration wasn't as strong as it as it could be. Yeah. And I think uh, that was a, a big focus for me is like kind of bringing that together, making them feel like a team, um, helping them uh, evolve. Uh, how generative they could be, how we were exploring problems, et cetera. Were there any organizational changes you made to like increase the team's visibility and execution? I think the biggest one was probably uh, the hire of the researcher that okay. I mentioned, yeah. you know, because that just broadens what design means and what you would come to a design team for. I think yeah. that was the biggest shift. Yeah. What is the what does a strong designer look like? To Ian Spalter, if you're sitting across, if you're sitting across a, a designer and yeah. they and they, they want to they want to work for you, mm -hmm. what are you looking for in that meeting? Um, well, I think we look for product sense, so like product yeah. thinking. You know, before you even get down to pixels, like really kind of breaking down, given a give a, a problem. You know, how do you go about and kind of solve that from sure. a product lens? Because that's key to I think having the larger sort of impact is key to going from zero to one on something yeah. um, to having the sort of conversations that you're going to have with very bright product managers and engineers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's one. I think um, a, a great uh, sense of, of craft and, and really caring about the details is important. But I think having a good balance between I'm solving a problem and then when I'm solving it, I'm solving it extremely well. Sure. I think I'm looking for um, some technical chops. We're a heavy prototyping culture. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a, an ability to kind of adapt to that world for sure. Mm -hmm. um, being too specialized can be, you know, or just, I, hey, I just work in, you know, sketch all day. That's not enough. You, yeah. you got to, that. I think uh, um, self-awareness is a big one, uh, which, which kind of gets back to kind of a, more of a cultural piece. Absolutely. But, you know, know where you are, know, know where you're going, know where you're weak, where you're trying to build. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, if you're joining a team like this, you, you, my hope is that you're coming to develop, right? Mm. And that you can go and come on a journey with us and you're looking to actually get better. Yeah. And for that to actually be successful, you have to be able to take feedback and, and be yeah. willing to kind of um, adjust and adapt. Yeah. Um, so that would be another. Uh, do you think there are some skills uh, that designers seem to be overlooking today that might be costing them opportunities like this? Sure. I think this kind of goes back to the agency world. One of the things that you learn there is you learn how to pitch work. Yeah. Yes. Right? You learn how to sell work. That's like, that's really critical to everything. And that's certainly under leveraged. And that's something that every designer, no matter what level, uh, is always trying to get better at. It's mm -hmm. like to come in and say, this is why this idea, it, you know, solves this problem. You know, and to paint context really quickly uh, and and then to uh, sell through an idea to all different types of stakeholders at every level. Yeah. So I think that's a huge one. Yeah. What um, can designers who perhaps feel a little bit disempowered mm -hmm. in their businesses, uh, what can they do to increase their influence? Question. I think that uh, one, understanding the customer is something that Everyone in an organization can do, sure. but everyone doesn't necessarily. And whoever gets closest to the customer is in a better position to kind of shape direction, mm -hmm. right? You know, so it kind of comes from the product research side, but there are other ways of doing that. There are other ways of gathering understanding about um, the customer because any business that doesn't pay attention to their customer is, is pretty screwed, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's usually some opportunities there, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's one way. I think that um, from a storytelling perspective, you know, how you frame up your work and present your work is, is tremendously important um, to be able to even demonstrate that you can think beyond just kind of filling a filling an order. You know, like you don't want to put yourself in a place where you're just constantly a short order cook sort of thing. Absolutely. To yeah. actually say, hey, I got some other things here. It's like, hey, yeah. you asked for this, yeah. but I think the problem we're trying to solve is this. Yeah. So this is what I also did. Yeah. Right, which is also something that happens in agencies a lot. It's like you ask for sure. this blue mm -hmm. thing, but you know maybe what you need is purple, right? Yeah. No, and and uh, I think having that uh, proactivity, yeah, and uh, which is rooted in a deeper understanding of the business problem, yeah. uh, can help elevate. Yeah, it's, and it's it's harder for designers in agencies because they tend to lack the business context of the companies mm -hmm. that they're working for, right? right. So um, those conversations tend to not come up. It's almost always about the look and feel because that's. Uh, that's yeah. the role agencies play in most in most partnerships, anyway. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so you brought up storytelling about four times. Mm -hmm. There's clearly a theme, <laughs> given your agency nice, background. Nice transition. Yeah. <laughs> um, what makes a good story? And and 
and actually maybe more importantly, when we use the word storytelling, mm -hmm. right, some designers tend to glaze over mm -hmm. and they tend to say, oh God, storytelling again, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean when you say storytelling? Are you talking about novella style like storytelling or are you talking about just keeping the attention of someone? Like, where, where, mm. where, where do you, what, what is storytelling to you? Yeah, to me, I think every story has like an arc, right? Yes. You know, there's, there's some kind of setup and situation, yeah. and there's like, you know, it's like a crisis, yeah. right? And then there's kind of some, some sort of resolution, right? Sure. So, um, and so storytelling, at least like when presenting design, it's like how are you framing up the work? How are you configuring your audience sure. to evaluate what you're about to show them? Because mm -hmm. that's almost like, I guess, the mo I haven't thought about it this way, what's kind of the moment of crisis when you actually show the work. If you just skip that, right, and you would just, you just show work, they don't know how to evaluate it. They could be evaluating based mm -hmm. on what they had for lunch, mm -hmm. right? Like, so you, you need to kind of uh, bring that audience along so they want to come along that journey, mm -hmm. and then they're, they're, they're kind of configured, I guess, to evaluate the work in the way you want them to, right? And then mm -hmm. getting to and the resolution, of course, is that you get the sort of feedback you want or you get a decision made, et cetera, right? So I think being good at that, like how you setting things up, you know, and then how do you actually present the goods and, and then you know, making sure that the outcome is what you need. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's usually what I mean by storytelling in the context of designers bringing that into their skill set. Yeah. There are other types of storytelling, like actually going back to some of the, the Nike work where we actually did do storyboarding, things like that, yes. which are really useful for when you're solving large system problems or um, you know, where there's multiple kind of actors in the system that you need to kind of figure out how to play out or, or in that case, um, there's a whole life cycle, like figuring out like where did, where does this this service fit into someone's day, mm -hmm. and having using you know, just leveraging uh, the language of like filmmaking uh, was a really useful tool. But most of the storytelling, when I mean storytelling, like in this context, sure. it's, it's more about how uh, work gets gets shared and presented. Yeah. Are there any tools and resources or books that you've read about storytelling that could help people? Um, mm -hmm. Videos that you've watched online, mentors. Uh, let's see. Uh, actually. Um, a friend uh, James uh, Buckhouse. Okay. Um, he, he's got a good Medium post about this. He used to work at DreamWorks and does a great job oh, cool. of like talking talking through story. Um, Scott McCloud's books on on actually on comics, right? That's yeah. a classic text that that um, gets referenced. That kind of what's the key to that? You know, yeah. to me, I, I take the storytelling piece of that away from that. So that'd be two examples. And then the last would be Creativity Inc. Love you know, the book. Like that's the just book. essential. You just get lost in that. book. Yes. Um, I was sad when it was over. Yeah, <laughs> go back and do it again. Yeah. Um, I think uh, yeah, Pixar is actually a, a company that we, we we actually are inspired by in terms of their process, right? So um, yeah. Thanks again to Squarespace for supporting the show. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to get a domain, create a website, or build an online store. They make it simple to manage your online store and inventory, process orders, print packaging slips, and customize emails. Squarespace has powerful marketing tools. They ensure that search engines can find your store online, provide real-time analytics to help you gain customer insights, and let you connect with your customers on Facebook, Twitter, and more. If you've been thinking about starting your own online store, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code HIGHRESOLUTION, that's one word, to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. We'd also like to thank our friends at Envision for their support. Envision is the world's leading product design platform, powering the future of digital design through their understanding of the importance of collaboration. They're used by some of the most innovative companies in the world, like Facebook, Capital One, Netflix, and Airbnb. I work with remote teams all the time, and I found that keeping a healthy dialogue is really important. Without it, building strong work relationships gets a lot harder, and that leads to poor collaboration. I've also found that prototypes are a great way for me to show my full vision for a design, and this helps cut down a lot of back and forth. Envision makes all of this really easy. You can rapidly prototype your designs and collaborate across every stage of your project, taking your ideas from concept to code. It simplifies virtually every aspect of the design workflow and makes collaboration a core part of the process for everyone, from project managers to designers, developers, and writers. Teams that build digital products are at a serious advantage when they use Envision's suite of prototyping and collaboration tools. It's the best way to get everyone on board. Visit envisionapp.com slash high resolution for three months free. So you joined Instagram about two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I find is 
uh, very fascinating about this company is how design has always been an integral part from mm -hmm. day one, right? Um, but there's always room for improvement. So I'm really curious what you did during your first three months here, yeah. um, what you prioritized, and you know what you, what you were seeking out to improve. Sure. So when I came here, there was a very small, you know, talented team of designers on the product design side. It was probably like around six people or so, mm -hmm. but they're all like really super talented, right? And then um, the co-founders of the company, uh, Mike and, and Kevin, are two people that are you know very craft-oriented people, right? You know, where the quality of, of, of work or quality of kind of everything uh, in their lives, they, they try to, they, they like a lot of intentionality around it and like things to be done well, right? That, that's something they value deeply. So coming in, it was less of a challenge of figuring out, well, how to make design matter more and just think about, okay, well, you got the basics there. You know, how do you, um, how do you extend that? Right. Well, a. How do you not mess it up? And then two. You know. How do you go deeper? What other opportunities are open as a result? Um, so within the f the first three months, there was a lot of um, there were some areas that I had to uh, hire for, et cetera. There was uh, we, we were working on our ads business and things like that. So built out a whole side of the team that wasn't there. Um, but there was a a project that was um, listed under something that I would solve, and it was listed before I actually got here, which was interesting, which was uh, you know a new app icon. Mm -hmm. Right, so that was a major undertaking that even that started. We started talking about it at least in that in that first uh, the first three months, and so that was a new piece, and that was an um, interesting opportunity. Again, we were talking about this brand and product piece, right? So it played. It it was. Um, while it wouldn't be a project I'd recommend anyone do in their first year at a company, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it definitely played to uh, some of my strengths, or it at least played allowed me to take advantage of some of my experiences working, sure. you know, for uh, big brands and, and you know, and then bringing it to Instagram. Yeah. And earlier you spoke about brand and product design like being really close together. Was yeah. that the state here already, or was that something you brought? Actually, I, I don't think there was. Um, there are certainly some key brand assets that people knew well, like the app icon, yeah, yeah. a little lesser the glyph. But one of the first things we did, obviously, is kind of go through and look at um, do an audit of mm -hmm. things, and it was like kind of all over the place. Like there wasn't really a, like a, a, a good through line through what made Instagram uh, brand and identity like kind of together, yeah. right? There, there wasn't wasn't stuck together. So that was a huge opportunity, and we knew that we needed to solve that. So even as we even the main project was the app icon, we always kind of tested against. What would this be like, you know, on a T-shirt or in the world, and mm -hmm. doing things that we even haven't done before, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always kind of figuring out: does this have the legs it needs mm -hmm. uh, to, to solve for the problems, not just that we see in front of us now, but the mm -hmm. ones that we see down the line? So, yeah. What is your relationship with Kevin Systrom? He's my boss. Yeah. Uh, Kevin's my boss. Uh, we have a really great working relationship. As I mentioned, you know, craft is really front and center for him in, in his life. Sure. Um, and so uh, we've got a really good basis, you know, for, for a, a good working relationship. And we took a shuttle over from Facebook campus. It's yeah. literally just right across. <laughs> um, I'm curious, what is the relationship between Instagram design and Facebook design? I, I know you yeah. guys share the same... It's the same Wi-Fi. <laughs> How far does it go? What's the overlap? Yeah. So uh, you know, we're, we so Instagram is a part of Facebook overall, but we we operate as our own own company, and we have kind of our own kind of subculture, you yeah. know, per se. Um, but I I collaborate with the other heads of of design uh, at different parts of, of Facebooking. So in that function, I look at over um, uh, what does it take to help design uh, within the organization, you know, looking after uh, career paths for, for designers mm -hmm. and creating opportunities, whether it's like learning and development opportunities or how we evaluate folks to make sure that they're, they're growing in, during their time here, regardless of where they're working within Facebook Inc. Uh, we look at you know, how we can, uh, how uh, design can, uh, through Facebook, can help um, uh, design community at large, mm -hmm. right? So what things can we do, what are contributions we can make in the world as a result? And then also, it's a useful. I find it as a. There's some great colleagues there, uh, and and so I find it a really useful venue for me to work through some of these large scale problems. Right? There's not um, there's not that many companies out there that operate at our scale, and not just in terms of the internal, but the people that we serve in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, being able to um, have colleagues that you can be openly share information with, and um, take some best practices or, or just share learnings. So yeah. there's that advantage as well. Uh, I want to talk about something a little bit contentious. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Instagram just launched Stories. And I will say I love it. I mm -hmm. think it's great. My entire network is on Instagram, so this awesome. was this was a big deal for me. Um, 
Can you take us into the room with you and Kevin where you guys first had the conversation? And and, yeah. and I want to, because half the industry, or I don't know if it's half, but a lot of people seem to think that it's just blatant copying of Snapchat and the other half seem to think that it's a very natural evolution of, of where Instagram should have gone, would have gone anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was that first conversation with Kevin like? What did you guys yeah. talk about? So we, I, yeah, that was definitely a lot more than just Kevin talking about because that, sure. the, the, what you're getting to is um, um, we start with problems, right? And so the problem that we were trying to solve with this was the overall quality bar that sure. people felt the pressure mm-hmm. to post the best photo, right, on Instagram, which everyone I you know feel feels it. right. <laughs> and yeah. so we, we wanted to loosen that up, and we mm-hmm. wanted to make you feel like you could share whatever you want as often you want. Yeah, you know. Um, and so that was the that was the nut we were trying to crack. Yeah. And so we actually didn't start with the stories format or anything. We actually looked at it from a lot of different angles. Sure. You know, to, but really just focused on how do we allow you to feel comfortable sharing whatever you want to share, whatever you want to share it. Um, we eventually landed on the format because it, it did solve a lot of those problems. But that's kind of the starting point. Like sure. to you know, you can't just like graph this new organ into you know this this new uh, to to this um, surface and, and ecosystem and just expect it to work. Mm-hmm. That, that almost always fails. Sure. Uh, you have to really get into the details of, of how you make that um, integration happen. Uh, and so there's a, a tremendous amount of work trying to get those details right in order for it to be successful. And, and the goal was for it to feel like something that always belonged there, right? And, and, and uh, yet, you know, if you weren't ready to use it, you know, you didn't have to. Um, so Yeah, but was there, so I'm going to prod just a little yeah, bit yeah, more, right? So you guys built it. Mm-hmm. You used it internally. Yeah. It's the night before you ship it. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> Tell me, like, there's, there's got to have been a moment where half the team was like, oh, my God, what are people going to think? You know, like. <laughs> well, you know, so what's interesting is that, um, at least for, for us, like, we, we, had, um, we had already launched, like, the new app icon, things like that, yeah. which would have done, had a lot of that sort of energy, right? And so by the time we were, we were launching stories, we had already kind of, uh, I think, made people aware that, hey, Instagram's changing, right? We're, we're making some investments, ah, et cetera. I see, yeah. So I think by the time we got to stories, I think that, of course, we didn't know how it would be received, but we, we had worked on it enough to know that it was a good product. Yeah. Like we, felt, we felt good about putting it out there, and we it felt is. good about what it would belong. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of uh, confidence in, in at least what we were putting out there. Adoption, you know, you just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've, we feel great about where it landed. So we spoke specifically about the stories feature, but mm-hmm. also within the past six to 12 months, a lot has changed with Instagram. Yeah. From the rebrand, mm-hmm. the color, yeah. um, bringing back like the, the color within the app and bringing more right. emphasis to the photos. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of innovation in a very short period of time. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, looking from the outside, like what changed? Like mm-hmm. what was the forcing function? Did you guys feel that you were trailing behind? Like mm-hmm. what happened? I think that... Um, there was a couple things. So I think the the company got to a place of maturity where we could do more than one thing at once, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this is a fundamental like team growth piece, process growth piece to be able to say, okay, now we can take on take on more. Mm-hmm. There was a recognition that that we did need to evolve. Like I said, you know, the the kind of quality piece was like a hindrance to uh, people feeling comfortable creating. That's like something fundamental that we knew we needed to evolve and change. Mm-hmm. And I think, and then making the commitment to change something as fundamental as the app icon gave us the confidence to say, okay, well, what else can we push on? You know, because in this, in, in the social space especially, you have to evolve, right? You know, I've been um, working, uh, the first company I worked at actually was a, a startup that did social networking back in the late 90s, right? So that's the number one rule, you know, like you have to continue to evolve. So there's a recognition that that was going to happen. And then um, I think what allowed us to do it well was that we picked the right problems to focus on and we defined them really well. And from a planning standpoint, we made sure that we weren't taking on too much at once, mm-hmm. which I think unblocks a lot of it. You know, I think sometimes you tie too many things together. You can't really execute on anything uh, well necessarily or things get blocked behind each other. And so I think we did a pretty good job planning things out. And, yeah. you know, and you know, once we launched Stories, there's a lot that could follow behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we had the momentum to, to, to keep it going. Yeah. So you spoke a bit about um, your process for yeah. prioritizing these things that you launched, right? Um, and earlier you mentioned that you had reached a level of maturity to actually work on more than one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram is 600 million users, mm-hmm. right? And you know, there, there's a sentiment that at big 
organizations, you move slower, mm-hmm. right? So it's interesting that you contrast that by saying that because of your size, you were able to work on so many things at one time. Right. So besides your process, like wh- what other things were you guys doing to get around a lot of the the hoops mm-hmm. that many big organizations face when they're trying to move quickly? Yeah, so I think um, you can never underestimate like kind of your planning and prioritization process, mm-hmm. which again, it's, not, it's one of those things that isn't like, you know, shiny and, and fun. But I yeah. think that's the, those are the things that unblock teams that mm-hmm. to say, okay, doing this, we're strategically aligned, like, now go run, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that it's not to say that that's only, that's as we get bigger, that's only going to become more and more of a challenge, right, to do that well. But that's why you also need, um, you know, a strong kind of curatorial voice at the top saying, we're going to invest here, we're not going to do that right now, et cetera, to keep the team focused. Because, you know, sometimes you can get so big and you, and you have, you know, a big, very talented team that can build anything, you know, there's a temptation to build everything. Sure. Right? And so that's the that's the the thing that we're constantly kind of pushing against is to make those decisions around what to focus on. So you're since you've been here, you're basically the change agent. Like the, is that what you feel like? No. <laughs> well, I don't you think you've got a lot team. of change. I mean with the product I, team, surely. No, the, the, but yeah. I think I think um, it's more about the phase that I came in. I think I came ah, in at a good time. The timing was right. Timing was right. Yeah. There um, we go. But and, and I think that uh, humble. We, very humble. Well, also we 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 have the um, I think that uh, you know, Mike and Kevin are yeah. are a great you know a great team. And uh, when you are like kind of still working in a company that is founder led, yeah. you know they can make those decisions, right? And they can be like, "This is where we're going," and th- and that that helps, I think, unblock a lot of things. Sometimes if a company doesn't have its founder anymore, it's the, the way decisions are made are a lot yeah. more political, a lot more bureaucratic, sure. uh, and that slows things down. And so we have the we're lucky that way. Facebook's lucky that way as well. Yeah. Right. Well, listen, I, I perfectly am fine with taking existing paradigms and building on it mm. as long as the person building it continues to evolve it and exactly. innovate on it. Right. So tell us a little bit about where, like, how do you think about where Instagram should go next? I mean, you don't have to delve into details if you don't want to, but, but if you want to, <laughs> but, if you, but if you want to, please do. Yeah. No one's watching. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're very interested in, yeah. uh, in helping people express themselves, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think you started to see a cadence of us of releasing new kind of creative tools and, 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 and differentiating there. We're really interested in not just the sharing piece, but we feel like what's most important is that uh, the connection that gets made. Yeah. You know, uh, between people, right? And 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 the 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 fact that if I share something with you, it doesn't have to hit a quality bar, but if it creates a moment between us or some sort of understanding with us, yeah. like we're actually our, our relationships are, are actually stronger as a result, right? That's what yeah. we're optimizing for. So we want to give you a palette, you know, to work with to just express what you're feeling in a given moment. Yeah. So we're focused on a lot of that, and we've started to see some of that, even products like Live that are out there that give you that kind of real time. Uh, kind of connection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, starting to kind of differentiate from like a standard, you know, stories product. Um, so yeah, we're excited about that world. How do you spend your week? Meetings, <laughs> a lot of conversations, etc. Um, so, but I do try to structure the week, at least from the team perspective, that we start the week as a team and end the week as a team, yeah. even as we grow. And so, Good. you know, start off on a Monday with more of a uh, stand-up where it's an opportunity for people to understand just at a high level what's going on, what are people focused on. If you're new to the team, you get yeah. to know people, um, etc. And then Friday is kind of the other part of the sandwich, which is like a uh, a large team crit, which is. This point is somewhere between a crit and an FYI where people can share work in progress, get feedback from people that they don't work with day to day, and it's a, just a good venue for the whole team to kind of get in the room. And those teams usually have crits throughout the week. And me, I spend a lot of my time either with the people I support in, in doing one-on-ones, uh, recruiting, things like that, product reviews, the whole exciting bunch of stuff that we do at that. Um, so we've, uh, we've sourced some questions from our community. Okay. And... All our guests are going to answer these five questions. Okay, okay. so we're going to jump right into this thing. All right. Um, so the first question is, how do you explain the role of design to people on Instagram? Mm. So I think uh, you know, design, when it comes to design and design research, yeah. can help uh, unearth opportunities, right, and help drive uh, what it is we, we need to, to work on. Yeah. And then I think uh, on the product design side. Uh, there's a de- definition of how we're going to go and solve a given problem, right? Sure. And there's a lot of collaboration with, you know, the product team, the product management team on 
uh, building out a strategy and, yeah. and really getting sharper about how we're defining the problem. Um, but then I think the designers can, can, can help or really focused on the how and, and how we go about solving a given problem. The second question is, how is the design team structured and organized at Instagram? Sure. So uh, the designers, it's kind of a generalist pool of designers. They spend a lot of their time working uh, either in an environment like Sketch doing the layout piece or actually working in a prototype uh, environment like uh, Origami Studio. And so each designer is, is usually dedicated to a particular pillar or, or kind of product area, yeah. you know, be it creating tools for people that are, um, you know, when you're creating content for Instagram, like a stories or whatever, mm -hmm. what are the, what's the tool set we offer there? And they're kind of dedicated to that, right? Or on our business platform side, helping businesses on Instagram as well. And there's a whole suite of, of, of tools that we offer there, and they're focused on that. So um, usually there are, there's a pool of designers dedicated to each of those areas, and there's yeah. kind of sub-pieces as well. And there's design managers over each one of those areas. Research is, is, is similar as well, focusing on particular pillars so that you can get um, you know, good collaboration, good healthy collaboration between product, engineering, design, research, content strategy is another piece. Um, and so we, we try to build little units that way. Are the designers that are building, this is not one of the community questions, I just want to follow on, are the designers that are building or designing uh, and prototyping the core Instagram experience also doing boomerang and layout and all the secondary experiences around Instagram, or is that a completely different? Oh, you mean uh, the, the other apps? Yeah, the other apps. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of those apps end up being spun out from the, the core team. So, uh -huh. like a team that may be working on um, just tools that are that um, impact the main flow of creating content for Instagram. Sure. Uh, Boomerang was an example, and Layout was also an example of, of sure. something where we said, you know what, maybe this is better to do separately, yeah. uh, and then find the linkages, you know, to to come off the, the main app. So gotcha. it's more that they own the domain and, yeah. and or the problem space. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and they can kind of obsess about that. Um, okay, so this next question is, um, when you're the only designer in a company, yeah. how do you convince the business of the value of design? Mm, you leave. Uh, <laughs> that's a great, by the way, by the way, it's actually a great answer. <laughs> kind of get into that phase of, 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 of development, right? Where, where like, you know, if you're the only designer and then not building it up, Maybe you should think about that, right? Yeah. Um, but but <laughs> in lieu of that, because you might need a job, um, <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, I, I think that you should be well-versed in the business problems, right? You yeah. know, like, so you can figure out how you can add as the designer, because if you're the only designer, you're not just the designer, you are, are you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, figuring out opportunities to help the business, right? And, and so don't just come back to, look, I just lay out you know, copy and images or, you know, I just designed the UI, but like really get in there and, and meet with the people that are thinking about the business. And then that should allow you to find new opportunities to maybe add value in ways or insert design into places where folks may not expect it to add value. Gotcha. The next question is, how can designers measure and present the results of their work to people in their business? Sure. An environment like this, I think that uh, the whole measurement piece is just hardwired in. You know, yeah. you've got you know products, uh, product management in there, et cetera. Mm. So I think that, um, but it is advantageous for designers to get really well versed, um, you know, in understanding and breaking down numbers and not mm -hmm. kind of shying away from that, right? Uh, because you know a lot of the conversations around where a product should go next may be based off of data coming in, and should sure. you be able to ask smart questions about that? Um, or really be work in partnership with the analytics folks there, and, and that's another discipline that plugs into a design into a um, to a, a product team. Um, in an ideal sense, sometimes it's not just about measuring the output, but it's also being inspired by yeah. uh, what's in the data too. I think that's one of the great things is when when uh, we we do more uh, quantitative research or you know be it on just trying to observe what are people actually doing on the platform and new products can spring out of that right yeah. so um, I think being well versed in understanding the data you know being able to ask you know good questions and collaborate with the people analyzing the data is what's most important so we can end with this one last final question all right yeah. feeling good yeah I'm good all right. Um, so as the function of design has continued to evolve and will continue to evolve, what are some roles and methods that you think might emerge over the next five years? Roles and methods, the five years, it's interesting. Well, I think, you know, we, we are, you know, there's some obvious ones these days where, you know, people are thinking from 2D to 3D, right, thinking about sure. the, the leap that was made from something that's desktop and web-based to, to mobile, and yeah. now that seems to be an emerging space, and you've got... 
Um, I think that um, it's becoming more important if you're designing a, a service, right? There's lots of different touch points, mm-hmm. like uh, where you know it, maybe in someone's home there's a, a different piece of hardware, or you've got it in your ear, or something like that. So thinking about all those different touch points, and it's like a different skill set. You know, think about that kind of life cycle. Um, I actually think it'd be interesting to see how designers can help design algorithms, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that while it, we look at machine learning and things as, as a, a very uh, scientific process, I think when you talk to engineers, um, you, you know that, that there's, a, there's a bit of art and science to those things, oh, yeah. right? You know, to, to getting them right. And you know, I could imagine, maybe it's not a five-year thing, but I can imagine a world where designers are designing the algorithms, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Um, so I think those are a couple areas top of mind. Well, that's a good place to answer. Thank All right. you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you made it to the end. Congratulations. Thanks for watching the episode. I really, really hope you liked it. If you did like it, please leave us a review on the iTunes store. And by the way, if you have any questions that came up because of the content that that we covered with our guests, go on YouTube, go on Twitter. You can tweet us. You can leave us a comment. We'll get back to you. We'll help you as much as possible. At Hi-Rez Podcast. That's the, the screen name or the handle for Twitter, for Instagram, for Facebook. Find us, talk to us. We want to converse with you. Uh, We're not going to leave here, by the way, without also thanking our friends at Searle Video. They've been an amazing partner on this entire project. So Searle Video is a creative studio based out of Portland, Oregon. They've helped creative communities tell stories for over 10 years. They've done advertisements, behind the scene footage, um, and documentaries for companies like Google, Slack, XOXO Festival, Adobe, Intel. They're incredible. They've traveled with us through the entire country documenting these stories with our guests. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Searle. Listen, if you're a startup looking to elevate your product, if you're a big company looking to humanize your brand, if you're someone in the creative community who just wants to tell a story, you've got to check out the team at Searle Video. It's searlevideo.com, S-E-A-R-L-E, video.com. Check out our friends at Searle. Thank you so much, guys. You guys have been incredible on this project.